I am in Ugak Bay, which is on the southeast side of Kodiak Island. I've been there for 35 years. I have three guide use concessions um, that I hunt, and we do brown bear, mountain goat, sick of black-tailed deer, sea ducks, uh, fox also on that, and then in the summertime I do fishing for halibut and salmon in the ocean. In 2011 and 12, it was horrendously bad. It probably killed 90% of the deer. I was taking 16 deer hunters a year. I dropped it to two or three. Um, they came back up again. In 16, we had another. It actually got really, really cold and it froze and the deer died of thirst. They couldn't find any water because all the creeks and everything froze up. Yeah, the last uh, four or five years we've killed some tremendous bears. The biggest one was uh, almost 11 foot and 29 and a half inch skull. Stressed everybody. Do it. If you're ever thinking about it, do it because you're going to wake up with a brain tumor or your appendix is going to explode. And I say that because both of those things have happened to me. If you want to do anything, don't put it off. Set a date for it and go get it done. Welcome to the RNA Outdoors podcast, fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bow hunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention? Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. 
Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camel patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. Coming to you from the showroom floor here in Reno at SCI 2019. Uh, we are the r Outdoors podcast and coming to you live. Got Mr. Jason Quick with us again. Rocking and rolling and taking notes. Mr. Brandon Williams, good friend of mine, colleague, and expert podcaster. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> Welcome back, buddy. And we are here uh, this morning on, on the last day of SCI with Brian Peterson, Master Guide and Outfitter um, from Kodiak Island. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Awesome. So, Brian, maybe just tell us a little bit about um, your concession and, and your outfitting business and, uh, and kind of what you offer and provide. I am in Ugak Bay, which is on the southeast side of Kodiak Island. I've been there for 35 years. I have three guide use concessions. Um, that I hunt, and we do brown bear, mountain goat, sicka blacktail deer, sea ducks, uh, fox also on that, and then the summertime I do fishing for okay. halibut and salmon in the ocean. Kodiak Island. I know. Ugh. You just got off of it. It's a mythical place. It's uh, unique. There's nowhere else like it in the world. Agreed. There is nowhere else in the world like it. Jason, you've been many times. You've well, shot a brown bear on Kodiak Well, Island. actually, that's what that's what drug, the, drug Brian into this thing. Um, a few years ago, I was fortunate enough to be able to go on a trip with him and have the experience of a lifetime being on Kodiak Island. And uh, as I tell everybody, if you want to shoot a big, big brown bear, Brian is the man. And Brian, how many bear hunts? Well, okay, let's start off with the easy one. How many brown bear hunts have you basically guided? <laughs> hundreds. 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 I don't okay. keep track, but it's been almost 40 years, 35 in the same place on Kodiak. So wow. so I knew that was going to be a fun one to start off with for right. our listeners to, to go, oh, yeah, somebody's gone on a brown bear hunt maybe once or twice, or maybe somebody crazy has gone four times, but you've actually, you're a master guide, and you've been you. on hundreds. And... Uh, now, I know a couple years ago you killed some pretty big bears. Do you remember? Yeah, the last uh, four or five years we've killed some tremendous bears. The biggest one was uh, almost 11 foot and 29 and a half inch skull. That is and, 11 uh, foot. A couple of them were the biggest bears. Top three, I can't remember exactly where they placed, but top three in the state that year. Wow. See? 11 footer. I See? thought the 9 footer that Bluff charges at 10 paces was big. Yeah. Um, they <laughs> are. They are. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're all big when they're within that bubble. But, yeah, absolutely. But when it comes to some serious, serious brown bears, Brian does it all. And you. And then we. you actually do both seasons, right? Correct. Spring and fall every year. I Personally, I run my hunts in the spring from the last 10 days of April to the first 10 days of May, and then the fall, October 25th and November 3rd which is the first 10 days of fall season. Okay. Brian, maybe talk a little bit about kind of your lodge and some of the accommodations that you provide if someone was to come and, and do a hunt at your concession. Um, my lodge is 2,500 square feet, very similar to a regular house. I got carpeting and hardwood flooring, running water, electricity, washer, dryer, all of that. Okay. Um, 
put a solar system in uh, for power two or three years ago, which it's amazing how well that works, even on Kodiak when you have... No sun. Limited days of sunlight, lim right? Limited amount of sunshine. In the summer, it works really, really well. In the fall, not quite as well because our days are shorter. But uh, I have three guest bedrooms, uh, two beds in each room. I take a maximum of six people. Okay. Um, television, washer, dryer, shower. Cool. So most all the general amenities someone yeah. would need to spend yeah. seven it's to not, ten days. Yeah, not a rustic cabin or camp or anything like that at all. It's got uh, everything. Very nice furnishings. But it, you do offer you do offer also. I mean, they could spike camp out if yeah, they want I, to. I actually specifically with bear hunts, I offer two types of hunts. I offer the lodge hunt where you hunt out of the lodge for the 10 days we go out by skiff every day you get dropped off with your guide or you go with me either one um, generally glassing off the beach or very near the beach and then i also do a backpack hunt where you get dropped off in another area around the corner where you backpack up a river drainage and set up a spike camp two to three miles in and then hunt out of that area okay bear fencing obviously all that on the on the spike camps none 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 wow Luke, lucas knows about the uh, climbing up the uh, only the thousand feet elevation in order to get through there and then the how many hours did did you talk about yeah i mean it was probably three to four hour break of alder and you know devil's club just to get to a point where you could actually see deer uh, yeah. And then from there, you actually start hunting at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But, yeah. That's what people always get surprised about, Brian, and you, you probably hear it all the time, too, is they're like, oh, it's sea level. Oh, you know, I'm used to hiking all over the place. And then they get on the island, and I know my experience was you get there, and then you're like, oh, well, you got a pack on. you got all your stuff and gear, and we were going up the hill. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're only going that knob. Oh, that's not it's too bad. It's only 1,500 feet, yeah. right? Yeah. And then it takes you three and a half hours, and by the time you get there, you're thinking, man, what did I get, sign myself the up for? vegetation is thick. The berry brush, the alders, and devil's club, and just the grass is often six to eight feet high. Yeah. So, yeah, it's incredible. And generally, bear hunting-wise, you know, when we hunt earlier in the season for goats, which we do September, October, then you have the brush to deal with, but obviously you're hiking above that. Yeah. Generally, mid-October, all the vegetation dies and goes down, so when we're hunting bears, it's a lot better. Brian, talk a little bit about your goat hunts and kind of what you offer and, and um, uh, the goat hunts, season. Uh, both bear and goat are drawing permit. The odds historically have been very good for bear because you have to be signed up uh, and contracted in order to apply for it. So it's generally 70, 90 percent. Um, goat hunts historically were much lower. There's just one pool that we put in for, but they changed the regulations two years ago where we used to be able to put in for three different hunts, one time for each hunt, say, now allow us to apply six times for one hunt. Wow. Okay. So More put, opportunities. If you put, when, when you apply, or actually when I apply you, I apply you all in the same area, and it really increased the drawing odds. We're basically right at 50-50 now, maybe just a touch under. Wow. So Man. And the goat hunts have taken off a lot just sure. because of that. We did... Uh, 13 goat hunts last year and killed wow. 13 billies, two of them made Boone and Crockett. Well, wow. and, I, and I noticed that you're in your booth here at SCI, you have the 7500 bucks up there for a goat hunt. Right. I mean, we all know drawing one in the States is really, really tough. 
stuff. Yeah. And yeah. now you're offering something that somebody can do, and you, really. You can go to booking agents around here, and very few of them will have goat hunts for under $13,000. A lot of $13,000, $15,000 goat hunts. I think I saw a special they were running for ten five. Wow. Mine are going up to 8000 next year. Well, I but, mean, when you have when you have the opportunities, which yeah. is great, and I understand mm-hmm. the animals on Kodiak have just really done good we in the have, last couple of years. It's an interesting story. I worked with an old gentleman years and years ago who used to be head of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and at that time I found out that my yard where my lodge is was the original pen where they transported and left the goats in 1953. Wow, that's crazy. Matter of fact, two of the steel fence posts in my garden fence are from the goat from that original fence in 1953. Wow. And so that's cool we're, we're right in the heart of where the, they transplanted the goats. Okay. And in our population, I have four different goat areas that I hunt and have tremendous population, hundreds of goats. Well, I, I know when have. I was there, I, I mean, from where we were set up, of course, and they were always on the side of a freaking cliff, but man... They were there. It, it, it actually, um, very rarely to never do we get into any of the steep mountains when we're goat hunting because there's so much area and so many goats. They always come into the areas that are rounded off, flat, roly-poly. We up saw on, one on the on beach. top of the mountain. Yeah, We saw one. Happens. We were on the far west end of the island, and we saw them on the beach. I mean, when you leave Kodiak, the city of Kodiak, and you fly out and bush out to where we were in Larson Bay, you're flying right at that level at 1,500, 2,000 feet, and right. you can just see them on yeah. the side of the mountains. It was just incredible seeing the goats there. there. And there's there's lots of them, and they actually want to lower the population. They keep upping permits, but the uh, vast majority of the people, of the residents who draw tags, don't even bother going. Wow. Um, so well, there, there are a lot of goats. You, you, you had mentioned earlier, um, and, I, and I really enjoyed it, the duck hunting that you had. In fact, we, we, we really did a long trip to go duck hunting at your place. What, um, it was about 75 yards. Yeah, it's actually, we've measured it. It's 235. No way. It seemed yeah. like so close. Yeah, <laughs> 235 <laughs> yards down the beach. Um, we have a little cliff. It, it's a point that sticks out in the bay. We got a little cliff. We sit there, put the decoys out, and you're going to shoot harlequins, barrels, golden eye, surf scoters, common scoters, white-winged scoters, occasionally bluebills and buffleheads. And now, for the first time in 36 years, non-residents can hunt emperor geese. Really? Which is quite the collector species. You need to draw a permit, which is very difficult to draw, but it is possible. But it's possible. And I literally have shot emperor geese for residents. We just need a registration permit. I've literally shot them off of my deck of my lodge. Wow. <laughs> the Harlequin are such a cool duck. Was they are. Seeing the guys shoot it's those. It's like one of the three great collector ducks of the world. Yeah. yeah people well, only on Kodiak Island, right? No, they actually go through southeast and, okay. and our other places. They have a season for them in Washington. But I had a guy who hunted with me who went three years in Washington, never saw one. Wow. On an outfitted Harlequin duck hunt. And so he finally bit the bullet, came to Alaska, and shot his four you're allowed to shoot four per year so wow that's cool it is an it is an awesome point to walk out there and just just enjoy it and yeah. watch them come by and yeah. and later, do some fun shooting late, later in the year the better we generally um you know all through november but uh, the deer hunts that i do in november they all include the duck hunting and that's sure. where we shoot the majority 
later you wait, the more, because they all winter there. So in September, very few ducks around. Season doesn't open until October, but by the time you get to late November, Thanksgiving time, thousands, wow. thousands of ducks. And, and wrapping into that, now we're talking about deer. Speaking you've of deer, had, yeah. You've killed some really, really large blacktail bucks. Yeah, for Sitka blacktail, it's about as good as it gets. Um, our biggest deer was 120 and 3.8, the mm -hmm. all-time number three deer. Um, I saw another one that was very close to that. The guy actually turned it down <laughs> because it wasn't big enough. He wow. wanted, wanted to shoot a top 10. It had to be a 118, and I said, it's at least a 115, and he said, no, I'm going to wait. But that's hunting. That's hunting. That was his choice. That was his but, choice. But um, we kill, I think I got about a half a dozen, I got about a half a dozen awards for killing the top three bucks on a guided hunt in the state over the last 10, 15 years. Wow. Like that. so that's awesome. We have good genetics. The uh, actual limit is three, but I only hunt one buck, and that keeps the quality up. It keeps the numbers sure. up. Well, wasn't 16 a bad year for winter kill, and have they? In 2011 and 12, it was horrendously bad. It probably killed 90% of the deer. I was taking 16 deer hunters a year. I dropped it to two or three. Wow. Um, they came back up again. In 16, we had another. It actually got really, really cold, and it froze and the deer died of thirst. They couldn't find any water because all the creeks and everything froze up. Wow. We lost some, not a lot. We probably lost 30, 40%. But it's come back really well. We've had a, a real mild winter last year, and this year is real mild also, and projected to stay that way. So yeah. our numbers aren't fantastically high like they were, but they're good medium population right now. Back in the 80s, they had 150,000 deer on the island. It was crazy. You, you could go out and see a dozen shooter bucks in two hours. That's you know, wild. 90 point and bigger bucks in two hours. And it, the population's never approached that again, but we still, you can see sure. dozens of yeah, deer. I mean, this and weather makes a huge difference, too, because you can go hike the mountain, do a, do a route, you know, that you do during... And the weather's terrible. You'll see three day or three deer. You know, maybe two does and one buck, or a couple does and a fawn. The very next day, when the sun comes out, you'll see 30, 40 deer, same place. Well, I so know that was, I was up there yeah. with you. You know, I'm, after I got my brown bear, and and we came back to the lodge, and you actually had said, "Okay, we got a storm front coming in, and you guys need to, you know, make it happen." We actually went out on a deer hunt that next day in the rain and you were right i mean where we had seen whole i mean 30 deer we saw we saw, i think we saw five and right. one one fork and horn but you know it was just it was yeah. still an awesome experience and anybody that hasn't been to kodiak island i mean lucas could attest that that was your first trip this last year yeah isn't it an addicting place it is it's an, i mean to what you were saying we hunted a few areas where we didn't see deer one day and we went and basically the similarity the next day and we were into bucks so right. it was just incredible how the deer would move in and out and we went in mid-october so it wasn't quite on the front end of the rut um, but we saw a lot of nice deer my brother shot a nice four by four and we had a lot of three by threes taken um, we just had a great time i think there was 10 hunters and we shot i think 
18 deer. So um, a caribou, and we caught a ton of halibut, which awesome. I also see that uh, is something else that you offer is also salmon and halibut combo fishing. Yeah, generally uh, late July and August is when I concentrate on that because of my particular area, we oftentimes get a king salmon run in August. Okay. And... Uh, not real huge fish. I'll get up into the 40-pound range. We don't get the 50, 60, 70-pounders, but we get a lot of uh, 20, 30-pounders. And halibut, you know, I caught one that weighed 450 pounds 10 years ago. Um, they're, they're pretty uncommon, but we get a lot of 60, 80-pound fish. Yeah, yeah, we caught a ton of halibut. I mean, we yeah. ate so good on that boat between yeah. the halibut and the crab, we went and did some crabbing, and of course we cut some back straps out of the deer and ate that. It was just phenomenal. Yep. Phenomenal. Well, yeah. I will fair. tell everybody, for those people that are thinking about coming up and going hunting with Brian, um, you got to try the spicy pickled beets. Now, he, yeah. he, he has his own garden, I mean. And he, I, grow, I grow a huge garden, three, 400 pounds of potatoes and every other thing you can imagine. But one of wow. the things I do is I pickle beets, and in every jar I put three habaneros in there. <laughs> oh. They're awesome. No wonder why they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> they're awesome. Yeah. Cool. They're popular. Brian, uh, it's just neat getting to know you and looking at some of the uh, offerings that you have. If someone was interested in wanting to, you know, book a, a hunt with you or get in, you know, uh, you know, basically involved in what you got going on or interested, how would someone want to do that? Uh, the easiest way would be just go to my website, which is ugakbay.com, okay. U-G-A-K-B-A-Y, and uh, you can email me right through that. That gives you some of the information about the operation, has several pictures of the watch and the boat and all the many of the trophies we've taken. Um, but the thing I stress to everybody do it. If you're ever thinking about it, do it because you're going to wake up with a brain tumor or your appendix is going to explode. And I say that because both of those things have happened to me. If you want to do anything, don't put it off. Yeah. Set a date for it and go get it done. Amen like to that. that. I like Amen that. Amen to that. Never, never put something off till tomorrow that you could do today because yeah. you never know what tomorrow never brings. Know. That's the exactly only guarantee right. is today, right? That's it. So, Brian, are you at any other shows then? Is this a, pr a predominant show I you'll am, do at CIR? This is the predominant show I do. Okay. Now, after this, I'm going to go visit some clients around the lower 48, and then I'm going to head back to Alaska. Okay. And then do you have any op openings for this year? Are you pretty well booked in 18 or 19? I, or? I have, uh, I think, one bear opening for this fall of 19. I have a couple bear openings for fall of 19. Goat is completely over and done with. Um, and I'm booking for 2020 and 21 right now wow. on bears. Cool. Perfect. So, well, bears and, on the and list. <laughs> and I, I actually have, I think, a week of fishing. And, and my value on fishing and on the bear hunting is the best you're going to find, along with the goats. I mean, relatively. I try to make it so the common man can go on it. My overhead isn't that high. so. Cool. Well, you own your own place. You've yep. been there for a long time. So that's yep. a big, big benefit that you can offer. And then you could do both ways, right? Yeah. Kind of like what I did, which was the backpack spike out, yep. or living out out of the lodge and actually doing yep. the the closer range stuff. So in the in the fishing, I got a five day trip, five days, five nights, five full days of fishing for three thousand dollars. 
Wow. So. And you walk away with a lot of fish on these trips. You do. Wax, <laughs> wax boxes you'll, full you'll, of fish. You'll catch, your, you'll catch your annual supply of halibut and salmon. Yeah. <laughs> annual supply. And his idea of annual supply is way more than most people think about. My freezer's got two Sitka black-tailed deer and a lot of halibut in it right now. That's awesome. So, yeah, yep. it was, it was a lot of fun. Sweet. Well, cool, Brian. Thank you. Thanks right. again. Thank you very much for having yeah. me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you jumping on with us, Brian. Enjoy and the rest of the show. And all you people listening out there, you ought to come to this next year. Yep. SCI is a fun show to come to. And you can look us all up. We're all going to be here. That's right. That's Safari exactly Club right. International, Brian Peterson, Master Guide and Outfitter. Check him out online. I think I've been here 25 years. I've wow. been going to SCI. Good for you. Yeah. Man, when you see his brownies that he has, that well, I'm going to go on his website and take a look. Yep. <laughs> I may be emailing him at some point too, because Kodiak Brown Bear is on the list. So it's all downhill from there. Yep. Cool. That's right. Thanks, right, guys. guys. Thanks for jumping on. All right, Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Take Appreciate care. it. All right. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded, and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.